Do you use a streaming device at home or at work? Simply say, hey Google, play Awaken to Grace with Chad Roberts' podcast and listen to our weekly podcast that is the current sermon that I preach each week at Preaching Christ Church. I'm Chad Roberts, and I want to welcome you to Awaken to Grace, because today is part two of our sermon on love and honor one another. We're studying the one another scriptures of the Bible. There are so many of these, and we've narrowed it down to just a few. Well, today we continue with part two out of Romans chapter 12, and we're going to see what scripture says, how Christians are to love one another. I hope you enjoy this episode of Awaken to Grace. No stipulations. I just love you in the selfless kind of way that God loves me and God loves you. Boy, don't that just make things different. Then I'm going, if, if I'm going to, if I'm going to tap in to that kind of God honoring, Christ exalting love, then when God's love's really in my heart, then I'm going to abhor the things that God hates, right? I'm going to feel rightly about what is wrong. I'm going to feel about it the way that God feels about it. What I was going to tell you in my mind was moving too fast, so let me just back up two seconds. We did ask anything. And there were questions about abortion and questions about all kinds of questions about sex, all kinds of questions about honoring father and mother and what if they're, you know, bad parents or not Christians. I mean, just everything you can imagine. And when we come to these really hard issues, Take abortion, for example, or whatever. You, you just pick a number of hot-button issues. David said something in Psalm 139 that I shared with the students. David said, Precious to me, O God, are your thoughts. Is that how you view your Bible? Is that how you view God's Word? Because when you love with agape love, and I mean... I'm talking the same kind of love that God feels about you. He puts it in your heart and you look at other people that way. And when you love people the way that God does, then what happens, again, follow the logic of Scripture, you're going to abhor what is evil. Why? Because God's thoughts matter to you. God, the way God cares and the way God thinks and what God says about certain things, you'll begin to feel that way because you feel the same love that God feels. Isn't that interesting? And people who say, oh, God is, God is all love. And, you know, I remember when I had eyesight, I would see these silly things on Facebook. Only God can judge me. Yeah, that's a problem. Who cares if I judge you? Who cares if you judge me? God will judge. Amen. We got into all of these sex questions. 
the students and how far is too far? I don't know. Two miles, five miles, I don't know. <laughs> they didn't think that was funny at all. <laughs> but we got into all of these questions about sexuality. I shared with them, God, listen, the Bible does not emphasize virginity. It emphasizes purity. And what does the Bible say? God will judge the sexually immoral. That's what the Bible says. So what we have to do as Christians, when God puts his agape love in our hearts, what we have to do as Christians is we have to ask ourselves... Does what God says, what God thinks, the way God thinks, does it matter to me? And if the answer is yes, then like King David in Psalm 139, then you'll begin to say, Precious to me, O God, are your thoughts. And then it won't be, how were you raised? Or what did you know, whoever say? Or what did college say? Or what does the culture say? Or what does the media say? It'll be what? Does God say? And that's the goal of Christian maturity, right? So, God's love comes in our hearts. We abhor what is evil. We hold fast to what is good. What is good? Galatians chapter 5. Now, what is this brotherly love? What is this? What is brotherly affection? What is Philadelphia? Brotherly affection. The idea here, if you're taking notes, the idea that Paul is writing is to be devoted to one another. Isn't that wonderful? To be devoted to one another. Let me tell you, there's nowhere that you should, I say should, experience Christian devotion and brotherly affection than in the house of God with the people of God. Sadly, for many of you, that's not been your experience. You've come from different places, different backgrounds. Some of you You've shared with me. We've had long conversations. Some of you come from places with very poor leadership and pastors making mistakes and moral failures and spiritual abuse, spiritual authority abuse. And some of you come from, you just come from difficult things. But, but let me say what our goal here in this church, what our goal is, is to have what the Bible calls Philadelphia, brotherly love, brotherly affection. What that means is that we are to be devoted to each other. How are we devoted to each other? We bear one another's burdens. We pray for one another. We comfort one another. I'm preaching today with an immensely heavy heart. Sadie woke me up early this morning to a text and phone call that a family in this church that I love with all of my heart I'm so close to them. They suffered a loss last night that's just tragic. What are we going to do with this family? We're going to walk with this family every step of the journey. Last week, one of our new families, a brother who was just baptized, had a horrific tragedy in his family. And his brother was killed and what are we to do with these precious people? We're to walk together. We're to pray together. We're to comfort one another. We're to be devoted to each other. 
I got a phone call today. Oh, I didn't even mention to you. You see the lifts in our auditorium? Hmm. I hear they're quite the, the sight, right? A bit of an eyesore. You know, they're coming in tomorrow morning to begin demolishing our kids' environments. Did you know that? Uh, literally, they're knocking out the walls. They're tearing up the floors, going to knock out, you know, that horrible zigzag hallway going into the kids. All that's disappearing. They're going to they're gonna bust everything out. And contractors are coming in, and we're building these all-new kids' environments, and it's going to be wonderful, and it's going to be great. We're so excited. On March 7th, I'll be laying out the vision for you. You say, Chad, why are you laying it out March 7th, and they're busting out walls tomorrow? <laughs> that's, that's a good question. Um, um, none of this was supposed to happen until March. And I'm finding when you work with contractors, you can't be flexible. you got to be fluid, apparently. So it's, it is what it is. But we'll be laying out the whole vision in a couple of weeks on what it's going to look like and what we're doing. But here's my point. Here's my point. We're getting ready to spend an enormous amount of money bettering our facilities for our volunteers and for our families and for our children and for more children. We believe, we believe God right now, I mean, with all of the kids that are coming, so many, we believe God's going to send many, many more. And we're preparing for that. We're prepping for that right now. That's what all this renovation is. That's what this big price tag is. But I get a phone call Thursday, one of our precious families in our church. Precious, precious. I love them. With my whole heart. They're in stage four cancer. And they face some injections that they can't afford. And the insurance won't cover it all. And this has been such a long journey for them. They need their church family. And as important as these renovations are. As important as kids ministry is. And. Walls and flooring and all that, as important as all that is. You know what's more important? Being devoted to one another. And what a blessing to tell that precious lady, don't lose any more sleep. We've got it. We're going to take care of you. Amen? We're devoted. We're devoted to each other. Philadelphia, brotherly love. What's the idea? The idea is that you're devoted to one another. Let me tell you where else it matters. It matters in the area of sin. Many years ago, this is, this is a number of years ago when Sadie and I first got married. There was a leader in our church. He's a good brother and I love him with all my heart. He's a good brother but he got off into sin he met a young lady and they decided to move in together and not get married. And they decided to move in together and live together. And he was a leader here in our church. And he knew me well enough and knew our church well enough that he couldn't walk with the Lord. And he couldn't be a leader in our church and be in sin. So this brother came to me and said, Pastor Chad, this is my decision. This is what I've chosen. And... They went that path, and it broke my heart. We had some pretty sharp words, not mean, 
not mean like as in accusatory, sharp words as in, brother, you know this is wrong. You're forfeiting. Look at what you're forfeiting for sin. Don't forfeit these things for sin. And it was very hard and he left church. He walked away. And a couple months later, I can't remember the full time frame because it's been so many years now. This was actually, this was uh, right as Sadie and I got married. And we took our worship team at that time to Colorado Springs to a worship conference. And we're at this amazing church and this worship conference and the worship music's going on just exactly the way ours is. And boy, I tell you, a spirit of intercession fell over me for this couple. I'm talking deep. I, I can count probably on one hand, the times in my life that I've interceded like that. I'm talking, you know, Romans 8, when the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will make groanings. You know what I'm talking about? It was a groaning of intercession. I mean, English words were not sufficient. It had to be utterances of the Holy Spirit. And it was groanings coming out. And I remember I interceded so deeply for them. And I'll never forget it. I'll never in my life forget it. Midway through that intercession, and I had been praying for them, but this was different. This was a moment of breakthrough. And I remember the Holy Spirit said, Chad, it's done. It's finished. Stop praying. You're done. I don't know if I've ever had it happen since. But I felt the Lord say, it's finished. It broke through. It's accomplished. And a peace settled in over me. I can't remember how many weeks it was, two weeks, a week, a few, it was eight or nine days probably. I get home, this brother comes to me, and this new girl, weeping, repenting, saying how God had broken their hearts and shown them their sin, and they repented before the Lord. Amen? I had the joy and the high privilege of marrying them just a short time later. Amen. And God restored. And now today they've moved away to another state. And today they're leading a ministry by God's glory. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. You say, Chad, what's the point? The point is we are devoted to one another. When someone falls, we don't kick them when they're down. When someone sins, we don't write them off. When someone walks outside of God's will, we don't say good luck and slam the door in their face. No, we are devoted to one another. That's what being a church is about. Amen. Are you devoted to others? And then he says something remarkable. I, <laughs> what high appreciation I have for this scripture. So when God puts agape love in me, it's not going to be phony or hypocritical. It's going to be genuine and it's going to be real. And it's going to even bleed over to where I hate sin and I hate the things that God hates. I'm going to, as Jude said in Jude 1, I'm going to hate the garment that's stained, but I'm going to love the sinner. Why? Because agape love is there. But I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to wink at sin. I'm not going to allow what God abhors. No, agape love helps me 
abhor what is evil. I hold fast to what is good. Then that agape love turns into Philadelphia. You know the reason I love you? Is because of agape love. There was a family that this past summer, I would say, hurt me more deeply than any family has ever hurt me in my 20 years of pastoring. But do you know how I know that I'm not bitter toward them? I pray for them and I pray God's best for them. And there are times that I'll pray for them and I'll say, God, will you put them in a good place, a wide place where their feet won't stumble? Will you set them up high in a good place and pour blessings over them? How can you pray for someone who has hurt you so deeply? Agape. Agape. When God puts his love It's going to translate. It's going to trickle down into Philadelphia. Into that phileo, that that brotherly, devoted kind of love. Do you have that for others? If you don't have that brotherly affection, it may be because you're not soaking, you're not basking in that agape love. That's what you need to have the brotherly love. And then look what he says, and, and, and this will be my last point, but let me explain it. Let me, let me unpack this last piece. So, <clears throat> when agape love comes and then Philadelphia love comes, then what's going to be the result of it? It's going to be in showing honor to one another. Now, this is fascinating. Don't, don't, don't let me lose you here. S- stay with me on this. <clears throat> Showing honor. What, what does this mean? If the command is to love, then how do we love? How is showing honor to one another? What does honor mean? It means to esteem someone very highly. Now, probably for all of you, there are people who you esteem highly, right? There's people in your life that you honor. They're a notch above. They're a cut above. You look up to them. There's probably, you know, a few people in your life that you honor in that way. But let me ask you a question. Can you look around the room today and see many people that you honor? That you esteem highly? Okay. Well, how do you show honor? Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 teaches us you count others more significant than yourself. So here's what it means. If you're going to show honor to one another, what's that look like? It means you put the needs of others ahead of your own. Does that make sense? We're getting ready to spend an enormous amount of money on kids' environments. But see, right now, our brother and sister who's in stage four of cancer, they have got a need that can't wait. What are we to do? Agape, Philadelphia, honor. We are to put their need above our need. Does that make sense to you? 
And when you look around at your life and you see how many needs are in the lives of the people who God has crossed paths with you and how many needs are in the lives of people that God has allowed you to be around and cross paths with, then you put their needs above your own needs. That's how you show honor to one another. Now, notice what it says. Let us outdo one another in showing honor. Oh, I love this. Because when you understand the true meaning of it, it has set a fire underneath you. So outdo one another. Paul's not talking about a rivalry. Paul's not even talking about competition. Do you realize that? He's not saying outdo one another as in, okay, somebody gives this. Oh, I'm going to give that. Somebody gives this. Oh, I'm going to give that. He's not talking about outdo as in a competition. Because you realize scripturally how you're to give. The Bible says don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. In other words, don't parade it. In other words, don't blast it like a trumpet. Don't let people know about your giving. Do it. The Bible says when you do that in secret, God will see and will reward. So he's not talking about outdoing one another as in a competition. But you know what it literally means to outdo one another? It means to step up. It means take the lead. It means take the initiative. It means you don't wait for other people to step up. You don't wait for other people to take initiative. You don't wait for other people to take the lead. No, you step in. You see a need. You meet the need. That's what it means to outdo one another. Isn't God's word so beautiful? And it teaches us how we ought to live. So right now, what are the needs that you see? What are the things that you see that you could respond with? And you say, oh, but Chad, I've, you know, I've got my budget. I've got that vacation I'm saving for. And I've got this. And I've got that. And oh, Chad, you don't know my schedule. You don't know what little time I have. Oh, no, 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 no. Why don't you outdo? In other words, why don't you take the lead? And why don't you take your needs as I know you have them? And why don't you put someone else's need right above it? And I'm telling you, on God's authority, you'll have a vitality to your life. You'll have a joy to your life. You'll have that spiritual fruit of goodness working in your life. And as you abhor the things that are evil, you'll hold fast. You'll cling to the things that are good. And your love for other people will flourish and you'll be devoted to other people. And you'll begin to take the lead and you'll begin to honor Others, and you, know, and you know what all of that accumulates to? Verse 11, don't be slothful. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. And all of this will accumulate agape love, abhorring, abhorring what is evil, holding fast to what is good, that spiritual fruit, brotherly affections for one another, 
loving one another, Philadelphia, outdoing one another to show honor to all of it accumulates to you serving the Lord. You may be on a ministry team today and boy, we value that. We stress that. We emphasize that. We prize that. You may serve on a ministry team, but let me ask you, are you outdoing one another and showing honor? Hey, it's Valentine's Day. Do you honor your wife? Do you honor your husband? Or do you gossip about them? Do you nitpick them? Do you tear them down or do you build them up around other people? You want to really serve the Lord? Honor each other. Be devoted to each other. Hold fast to what is good, abhor what is evil. And let God's agape love be as real and genuine as God himself in your life.